Patrick Hoots from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel, the player at number 41 today, and maybe he's a shock. Maybe he's just priced nicely for us. Fremantle defender Connor Blakely. Uh, joining me on the podcast for his first time with us, but if you're a long-term fan of the Draft Doctors, an old-school fantasy hour, uh, I've got Doss on the line. Hello, mate. How are you? G'day, MJ, and keen to talk some Connie B. Yeah, he's one of your boys. No, he's not one of your boys. Um, you were. We did a, a Twitter poll uh, and also a Facebook poll not long ago asking for, look, who from the fantasy footy community would you love to see on these podcasts? And none of them were available. So we got you. No, that's <laughs> not true. No, mate. Yeah, right, actually. Yeah, no, no. Stevie Fears said that. That's totally what it is. Um, no, we, we love what you guys do at the Draft Doctors. And uh, it's nice to have you on board and uh, maybe see some of the other lads from there a little bit later on in the 50 Most Relevant. But, but let's talk about Connor Blakely. I want to get your draft take on him a little bit later. I know you like to play the hashtag off-brand uh, formats of the game as well. But at 23 years old, um, he He's shown historically he is an option if all of the stars align. His highest score last year was 0104 against Carlton in AFL Fantasy for Supercoach. Uh, he had a couple of 105s. One of them was against the Blues. The other was against Collingwood. He is priced in the mid-70s across the formats for us after an average of 74.7 in AFL Fantasy Dream Team and 75.7 in Supercoach. He's going to set you back just over 400,000 in that format of Supercoach. And then around about that 550 marker, a little bit more in AFL Fantasy and a little bit less in AFL Dream Team. And Doss, it was just 12 months ago that the Connor Blake Blakely hype train was super real. Lockie Neal had just departed the club, and there was this big groundswell from the fantasy community that he was moving into the midfield. And unfortunately, due to an injury, it just didn't happen. Yeah, the, the all the stars aligned didn't happen last, last year. Let's hope they do in 2020. But I think funny because way back in 2017 I think the original reason we loved Blakely was that he showed signs of being that gun midfielder when he didn't have the run with role and I think that's kind of where the hype came as well but then out of nowhere he was moved into the back line and started looking honestly like Sam Doherty down there because that was the Sam Doherty monster season and mm. Blakely is right around that same build as him as well sort of 188 centimeters 90 kegs but I think that 2017 was such a limited sample size. And a couple of years later, he doesn't look like Doherty. And we're wanting him back in the midfield to get those scores up again. Well, he was originally drafted by the Dockers as an inside midfielder. He did have an, a bit of an outside game, but it's initially where he was. And so that's where the thought was both 12 months ago and to some extent again now with a brand new coach and plenty of opportunities in that midfield. The thought is that possibly he could sneak back into that midfield role. You allude to that 2017 season. It was absolutely uh, a strong scoring season. While only 17 games, he averaged 91.7 in Dream Team and Fantasy and 89 
in Supercoach across that year. Um, in Supercoach, nine times over 100. Three of them were over 120. And twice he had a run of four consecutive hundreds. While for Dream Team and Fantasy, he averaged 91. Um, he had seven scores of 100 plus, including three of them going 134 or higher. And whether you choose to play the draft formats of the game or salary cap formats, having a defender DOS that has a big ceiling about him is actually quite rare, and he's got that. He does have that, and I think one thing that we'll sort of touch on a bit is that how much the team has also changed since that time that he was putting up those big scores, and I mm-hmm. see it as both a positive and a negative because he did play both midfield and defender. In I know we're skipping two years ago because he did also play last season, pretty, oh, sorry, 2018 as well, but that was sort of a bit patchy and not many games. But I think we kind of can see some upside if he plays in either position as well. I don't mm. think it's all doom and gloom if he does play as a defender. But like you're saying, he's 23 years old. It feels like he's a bit older than that. And having a defender that can produce numbers or at least has the upside to produce numbers might be a bit risky. But like you're saying, it's pretty rare. Yeah, it is. You talk about that 2018 season. He backed up with a 91 average in Dream Team and Fantasy. Five scores of 100 or more for Supercoach. 85 was the average. Four scores over the ton. And then last year, it was a little bit of an injury-interrupted season. That severe hamstring injury that required surgery uh, that stopped that potential midfield ro- rule that and role that people were expecting. It wasn't until May we saw him and he moved from rebounding halfback to occasionally got an inside midfield ro- role last year, occasionally lockdown defender. And, and so we really only saw one dream team and fantasy ton for the year, four scores over 90 and two scores over the 100 marker and an average in the mid-70s. I, I suppose the benefit for us before we talk about where he could play um, this season is he doesn't get an injury discount, but he kind of doesn't need to, does he, Doss? Because really he's priced about 14, 15 points under what historically we know he has already done. Yeah, you're not wrong. The the injury in the preseason, like you were saying, hype was building. And I'm not sure if you or I either were as high as some people might have been on him last season. But it was still going to be putting up pretty okay numbers. Like, I was still happy to pick him up. But then the injury came and it was like, oh, here we go again. And what an injury too. Like, 12 to 14 weeks it was initially diagnosed. Might have even ended up being longer than that. And then, like you're saying, just couldn't quite string together some quality games. So you can see some upside just in the fact that he'll have a full preseason touch wood. Yeah, well, he, he can play in the midfield and he's shown he can score. He's also shown that when he plays off the half back, he, he can score. And, and when we talk about him, he's got potential. And there are two types of potential. There's the potential of someone that has been there and done that. And then for whatever reason uh, is priced beneath that. And then there's the type of potential that is forecasting based on some probables or some possible scenarios. So when we talk about potential with Connor, it's not just someone that we go, we hope or we think it. It's No, he's shown he can. He just needs to get his body right. He needs to get the right role. And then he's shown he can score well for us. Yeah, and he's sort of in a unique position as well in terms of Freeman making such huge changes in the offseason, losing a couple of key players, which I'll probably talk about a bit later as well. And also just the role is still questionable. And I think there is some more upside playing in that midfield role, clearly. But we can sort of see that He's in a position where he really could explode under a new coach. And I think I think Ross Lyon may have been hampering him a little bit in his development, despite the fact that we the injuries could have also had an impact. 
think the coach really was not helping Blakely flourish into the player that we think he can become as well. Yeah, it's true. It, it is very, very difficult. You know, we we sit here talking, you know, in the early middle part of January about a guy. And until we see what Longmuir's coaching strategies and, and game plans are, how they choose to structure up, it, it does give us, it makes it very difficult to kind of go, okay, I'm starting him, lock it in. It, it's so difficult. Um, and I suppose it is with all coaches that we haven't seen their game style. We haven't seen the impact it's going to have. So so talk to me then on the scenario of if Blakely moves into that midfield, and that's where he was drafted um, initially as an inside midfielder. What do you see that could potentially turn into for us from a fantasy perspective? Yeah, and I will just quickly say as well, Blakely's one of these guys that I've just been really hoping there was going to be, you know, several articles out there being like, oh, he's burning up the track. I'm still <laughs> waiting for it. I haven't it's, seen it's him. still early. I haven't seen too many saying, oh, Blakely inside, I'm ready to take over, etc. So I was really hoping for one of those. But anyway, we will go into the scenario A if he plays in the midfield. Now, I just want to go through the midfield candidate. For 2020, we got Nat Fife, Michael Walters, Andrew Brayshaw, Chera Akers, who's come across, Darcy uh-huh. Tucker, Reese Conker, which is gross, but hey, he played midfield last year, which it's I true. will show you. David Mundy, and then of course Connor Blakely. We've also got maybe a Brett Bewley or a Mitch Croton. So, what is Josh Justin Longmuir thinking? I think that's what it all comes down to, and it is really. It's going to be this Marsh series or one of those hype articles that I'm really looking forward to. Mm. But I will just quickly talk about some center bounce attendances just to show you where Blakely was at in the pecking order last year. And from post-buy, so from round 13 to 22, I apologize I didn't do round 23 because I just couldn't be bothered, to be honest, (laughs) after the season had finished. But the top attendees under Ross line from 13 to 22, you had Fife, Mundy at two, Walters at three, Reese Conker at four, Andrew Brayshaw at five, and Blakely with about 60 less centre bounce attendances than Brayshaw was way down at six. And if you do look at some of his games where he did get good centre bounce attendances, just looking ahead in case he does in 2020, that was Mm. round 15 and 18, he had eight and 10 centre bounce attendances, which were easily his highest numbers. And in those games, in round 15, he had 31 disposals, five marks, four tackles, putting up 104 AFL Fantasy and 105 Supercoach. Then round 18, he only had 79 and AFL Fantasy, 74 Supercoach, but only played the 71% time on ground. So really mm. good points per minute there. So I just think you look at his midfield opportunity for 2020. We've already talked about it. New coach, yeah. you've got Mundy, who's pretty ancient and injured as well this preseason. He was second for their most attendances. You've got Reese Conker, who was fourth, who actually got moved into defence late in the year yeah. with Ross Lyon, and you'd kind of hope Longmuir does the same. Then you've got Walters, who does he need to play a bit more forward to get some goals, or is he going to be more of a pure mid? Hmm. You've got Langdon gone and Hill gone, who both attended centre bounces, and DeChera and Akers have to play a bit more on the outside. There's lots of questions and little answers at this stage, but the opportunity is going to be there, I think. Yeah, that, that's certainly the key. And then I suppose there's the possibility of him playing in the back line too. He's shown he could score in either, but we just don't know where he's going to go. What do you think could happen if he moves back or stays back into that key defensive six group? I'm really not as keen on this scenario. Scenario B, not as keen, but still see the upside, like we've said, due to the age and the injury-interrupted preseason as well. So if he gets through a preseason still see some upside, but if we look at it, 
Luke Ryan and Nathan Wilson are their primary users out of defence. And Nathan Wilson arrived in 2018. So maybe that was where we saw the start of sort of Blakely's a little bit up and down performances as well, just not getting used as much. Mm. But Blakely builds his score through possessions and marks when playing in defence. So he can get the tackles in the midfield. But if you're looking at that, the fact that he builds his from possessions and marks, Fremantle went from being the seventh best marking team in 2018 to the 17th best in 2019. And he dropped two marks per game from 18 to 19, which kind of makes sense, given that lack of marks going around. So not all doom and gloom, like I was Mm. saying earlier. He's got that marking upside if Longmuir has that, say, mark-happy game plan. And also he can just bump up those disposals, I think. I think that's a full preseason that's really limited him there. Yeah, the other player that's probably going to move into that key defensive six is uh, Hayden Young, um, who you know mm. is a really dynamic player too, whose probably two key strengths are his aerial interceptability and his ability to hit a, a long you know, pinpoint pass of 50, yeah. 55 plus metres. So again, now we're talking about three players that either have that combination of elite skills by foot and or aerial ability. Wilson's a little bit more of a run and dash player. It does lean to think that, okay, if Blakely isn't in the back six, oh, that's really bad news. If he's in the midfield where there's probably the best opportunities, then maybe we do get the upside. Yeah, definitely. I think... It's it's a March it's a March series watch if anything yeah. and and like I said need, I need a hype article like, I'm going to need one minimum <laughs> before the preseason I think it's really but I mean in salary cap say MJ like when you're looking at him compared to some other guys would you pay up for a potential breakout from someone like a Dawson or a Houston rather than you know maybe due to the injury risk go with a Blakely big breakout hope. Well, I, I think you bring two good points there. And I want to answer, I'll ask, answer the question in a second. In terms of his injury, you're right. That's probably the biggest red flag. Like when you look at it, his sort of games played looks like an Ashton Agar batting card. It's 15, 17, 13, <laughs> 14. Um, and, and so historically, durability isn't there. But look, 12 months ago, we people said the same about Brad Crouch. Yet he played 22 games. The year before that, it was Devin Smith. He played 22 games. The year before that, it was Taylor Adams. He played 22 games. And so while, you know, every year someone does kind of find a way to break the cycle, my encouragement would be for someone, if you are picking him, know you've got this there. Yes, he could break it. He figures out his body and away they go. It's rather, if you're going to pick Blakely, um, or sorry, you're going to pass on him because of an injury risk, then even if he plays eight games and averages 95, you've still got to hold on to that because the, the variables of him missing a game based on injury are only going to further increase based off that. Now, if you're picking him because he doesn't fit your strategy, that's different. But if you're ruling him out going, because he doesn't play 22 games, I'm not going to start him, well, then that stays the course, even if he averages 95 after eight games because the chances of him getting injured have just increased with every game played so look for, for me I, I just want to see him play through the preseason I'm at the moment AFL fantasy is probably the one where I feel more comfortable um, with yep. going after him because I've seen at least the durability of Houston um, you know who we talked about earlier in the 50 most relevant Jordan Dawson well I wonder yep. if we're going to see his name or not but you know I, at least we know what we can get with him Blakely there's just so many questions about role about durability about game style it feels really risky this early in January to say, yeah, I'm locking him and no worries. Yeah, it's, it's a, he's, a, he's a super risky pick this early and like it could change if we yeah. see that role. But at the moment, yeah, it's risky and it's probably going to be 
very similar scenario in your draft leagues as well, which we'll probably talk about next. Well, that's kind of your area of specialty, isn't it? Being on the draft, Doc. Just make sure you go and check out that podcast uh, and uh, do some fantastic draft content, single and a keeper league sort of content. But where does he go? Does it, again, it probably depends like most drafts. When you do your draft, how, how close to the full season and Marsh series, where do you think he goes, depending on if he plays midfield or in the back line? Look, it's very league-dependent and going to be super um, pre-season hype-dependent as well. Uh, I think he could skyrocket up the boards if he has like a massive Marsh Series game as well. That's if you're having your drafts after the Marsh Series. You probably maybe have them before that just to avoid uh, getting snaked on Connor. But he, he's probably that risk-reward pick, like we've said, because he does have that name value in fantasy circles. So I, I do tend to think he may go a little earlier than you're probably hoping he'll drop to. Mm. But scenario A, if he gets the mid-time, you might have to go early, which, like I said, could be risky with the injuries. But he could be a solid D2 in AFL fantasy yeah. and more of that, more more of a low-end D2, I think, and a high-end D3 mm. if all goes well, I think, potentially. Yeah. Yeah, I think but so. um, if it's scenario B, sorry, uh, a low-end D2 and high-end D3 in Supercoach, that was a yep. solid D2 in AFL fantasy. Yep. Um, in scenario B... If he plays mostly defence, but he still has some upside there, um, you're looking at more of that D3 range, I think, in AFL fantasy and D4 in Supercoach as yeah. a best case scenario thing of him playing down there. Just not as high there, and again, a little bit of improvement. But even like you were saying before, like I totally forgot about Hayden Young being there. He's even I know he's a rookie, but he's a good ball user, yeah. and if they're going to try and do that out of the back line. Um, I think, yeah. I don't know. What, what scenario do you think is going to be more um, likely at this stage? I would say some mid-time is on the cards. but yeah. Mid-time feels more likely. Like, the centrepiece is Fife. We know we're going to build around him. I'm more of the leaning when it comes to Michael Walters. I think he plays way more midfield time this year. Um, given they've got, you know, guys like uh, Sarong and Ryan have come in, that I think they're going to blood them through the yep. forward line. So I think I'm, I feel a bit more confident that Walters is still going to be a good forward option for us. Um, yep. And then it's the question marks of Conker. How much do the, does the new coach love him through there? Does Brayshaw, yeah. does Chera, do they fully break out into the midfielders or do they keep that kind of half role? Does Crowd and Valenti, North, Tucker, Bewley, gosh, even Aish was originally drafted and up at Brizzy played as a midfielder and didn't get the chance at Collingwood. So, yeah, for me, it feels like there's more chance and opportunity in that midfield group than what seems to be, you know, a pretty stable backline with, with you know, how they're structuring up back there for free. It's, it's actually a pretty decent backline. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'll tell you what, though, if I see Reese Conker in the midfield, I think I'm just going to avoid drafting all Fremantle players at this stage. <laughs> just out of spite. It doesn't matter if <laughs> Nat Fife's fallen to the 10th round and it's your pick. You're no. just not doing it. No deal. <laughs> all right, man. Hey, Doss, mate, appreciate uh, your work on this podcast episode. No worries. Thanks for having me, MJ. Mate, a pleasure. If you want to go to check out Doss and the rest of the team at the Draft Doctors, you can go and follow them uh, through every single place you normally go and get your... Uh, podcast you can go and check out that out as well as their website we appreciate all the great content you guys create for the fantasy football community if you want to go and check out the article uh, on this young man connor blakely you can go and check that out at coachespanel.tv as well as all the other players featured in the 50 most relevant uh, also if you want to get a little bit ahead of the game you can join our patreon army help support the coaches panel nathan Ayers has just done that well done to you mate for your support of the coaches panel tomorrow we hit the number 40 and my friend right now 
I think he's going to have at least 50% ownership when the formats open. But who is it? And why is he so low? 